Insects are all around us. Many live right under our noses and are just waiting to be discovered. In spite of their small size, insects are among the most interesting and adaptable creatures on planet Earth. We have close encounters with them every day, whether we realize it or not. To most people, these creatures are just bugs. But to entomologist Dr. Tim Gibb, they are spineless wonders. And he's here to help you look beyond the bug to the fascinating life of the insect. Dr. Tim will see you now. As an entomologist, I find that it often falls on me to serve as a sort of de facto mediator in ongoing or potential insect-human conflicts. My role is to facilitate understanding and communication between both parties with a view of helping them reach a mutually amicable solution. As a mediator, I sift through the facts, emotions, and individual interests of each of the parties involved, determine what the real issues are, and encourage a fair and logical outcome for both. Case in point, the annual hoverfly versus homeowner dispute that is playing out throughout the Midwest right now. For the past few years, late summers when homeowners, especially those living there where field crops are grown, are invaded by little yellow and black flies. Homeowners complain that these uninvited trespassers threaten anyone who is innocently and peacefully sitting in lawn chairs or working in the backyard. The threat is manifest by the show of black stripes on yellow bodies, very similar to sweat bees or yellow jacket wasps, compounded by their semi-aggressive behavior of swarming around people. Together, these signs are quite intimidating, even though no actual assault has ever been documented. Nevertheless, the human reaction is fear, panic, and sheer terror resulting in screaming, cursing, calling 911, and threats of lawsuits. For their part, the flies claim only to be doing what flies do, flying around, not hurting anybody or anything, only looking for the odd flower to pollinate or foraging for otherwise unwanted or unclaimed food residues. They contain that they've been doing this for thousands of years, and until now, nobody has complained. They claim to be present for only a few weeks and then move on. No harm, no foul. As to the charge of trespass, they do not subscribe to the idea of property ownership or boundaries. So, as the entomologist mediator, I have determined that most of the reason for homeowners' underlying fear is the fact that bees and wasps can sting, and nobody wants to be stung. However, I point out that residents can rest assured that these are flies. Bees and wasps can sting, but flies cannot. They have no stinger. Homeowners may counter by saying, well, maybe not sting, but how about bite, like horseflies or deerflies do? That's just as bad. Hoverflies, in turn, are not only offended by any comparison to low-life look-alike wasps or to despicable biting flies. They feel disrespected. 
They insist that they have a name and it is to be used. Again, as mediator, I caution both sides to take a deep breath and calm themselves. I point out that hoverflies do not have a biting mouth part. Theirs is more akin to a large tongue used to suck nectar or lick up bits of pollen or other materials in the environment, but never to bite or to lacerate. The bottom line is that they have neither weapon, no stinger, no biting mouth part. Having allayed both potential motive and weapon, I explained to people that this is not just any fly, but is in fact an inquisitive little friend called a hoverfly. There is no criminal background, no historical precedent to cause people to duck, swat, or reach for the spray. In fact, the opposite is true. Hoverflies are beneficial due to both their larval appetite for crop pests, especially aphids, and their help with pollination after they become adult flies. Once I persuade homeowners that hoverflies are harmless and actually beneficial, I come to my real challenge as a mediator, and that is to convince them that they can tell the difference between innocent flies and potentially dangerous wasps. I usually start by explaining how entomologists do it. Look closely at the wings. Flies always have only a single pair of wings. Bees and wasps always have two. When allowed to land on an arm or a hand and then brought up for close examination, one can see these differences quite clearly. And while in the close observation mode, one might also notice that hoverflies have a comparatively hairless body, are more brightly colored with very distinct black markings on a flattened yellow abdomen, and have very short antennae when compared to either sweat bees or yellow jackets. The conundrum is that these characters are only observable from a very close distance and easiest to differentiate if the two are actually sitting side by side. People who are deathly afraid of a sting are not easily persuaded that knowing the difference is worth that kind of a risk. I can understand that and they would just as soon lump them together as threatening pests and be done with it. Of course, this infuriates the flies and nearly causes them to slam their book shut and walk out of the negotiations for good. So again, I plead for cooler heads and ask homeowners to try a different approach. Rather than an up-close encounter, how about just watching for behavioral clues? If you're sitting on your deck and a black and yellow insect flies up to investigate you, resist the impulse to swat, scream, or run. Rather, watch it for a moment. If it stops in midair to look around, you can be sure it's a hoverfly and therefore is completely harmless. That seems easy enough, right? Most flying insects, including wasps and bees, are incapable of suspending themselves in midair, but hoverflies can, and that's why they're called hoverflies, because they hover. Hovering is accomplished only by insects who have completed top gun flight schools. Not only can hoverflies hover, 
but they are capable of astounding aeronautical stunts, such as moving forward or backward, sideways or up and down, seemingly with ease. They can roll and dive and flip and loop and even turn themselves upside down to land. And I say all of this because if you're watching an insect approach and it appears to freeze in one place midair as it scrutinizes you, it's definitely a hoverfly. It's not sizing you up for breakfast, but merely being polite by approaching and looking you square in the eye while introducing itself. The proper response would be to slowly put out your finger to shake hands. If done very slowly, the hoverfly will often carefully land on your finger, showing you that it has truly come in peace and only has two wings, a spongy mouth part, and no stinger. When this happens, a new interspecific bond magically will begin to form between insect and human. Empathy and acceptance of each other will begin to transform the relationship. A desire to more intimately understand each other will emerge. Look closely into the fly's beautiful, very large, rust-colored eyes for a moment. Fly eyes are called compound because they are made up of many individual units called omatidia, each similar to a tiny human eyeball, complete with a lens to focus light and pigments for detecting colors. Hoverflies have more than 3,000 of these, which allows them to see pretty much all around themselves at the same time, 360 degrees, similar to grade school teachers. For flies, this is an advantage because danger cannot sneak up on them, be it potential predators or fly swatters. However, unlike humans, flies cannot change the shape of the lenses, which means that they have no depth perception. They have to actually move closer or farther away to see an object clearly, which is exactly what the hoverfly is doing as it stops in front of you and gives you the once over. Still, even after all of this mediation, I regret to say some people will never change. For them, seeing any big-eyed, ugly bug looking back at them is uncomfortable regardless of the distance or of me having convinced them that they mean no harm. Any insect actually looking back at them gives them the heebie-jeebies and is enough reason to refuse sharing space. To those people, I can only say, put yourself in the shoes of the fly. Just imagine what terror must be going on inside the tiny brain of the fly, seeing a 3,000 picture mosaic of the same thing that you see in the mirror every day. Easily enough to make any fly scream, take flight, reach for a stinger, or call 911. So here is where I suggest a truce. Both sides are even. They may never agree on what ugly means, and that's fine. There can be differences of opinion, but through toleration, understanding, and respect, both sides 
can live together in peace and harmony. This has been Dr. Tim with another Spineless Wonder. Be sure to tune in next month for the next Spineless Curiosity.